Well, Pastor Clinton, Clint, thank you so much for being on Talking Church today. Talking Excited Church. to to dive in. Uh, we have an amazing topic today, talking about diversity and belonging. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm super excited. I've wanted to do this for a while. Um, now that we're on season two, we're, we're established. We can talk about what we want, but... Um, you got seasons and everything. Yeah, I know. Come on. Come on. I'm, I'm <laughs> doing what I can. Come on. Um, we know it's going to be fun with both of you on. And um, I, I know that the last uh, the last couple years in Minneapolis specifically, but in our country and our world, there's, I mean, we, we could probably list off a dozen different things that would be worthy to talk about that have, have divided our country, divided the church, uh, even divided individual churches, but but the capital C church, no doubt, has been divided in this. And right. um, one of the one of the things that we did, um, kind of in response to what happened here in Minneapolis with George Floyd and and the murder of of George Floyd at their Chauvin and and the trial and you know all of the things that came about with that, it kind of illuminated to us like there are things in our life that we need to process that we need right. to reflect on that we need to examine and even the wording that you use and the the how you address things you know it, it, it was very it was palpable on how it was I, I literally thought of James it's like what a small spark can start a, a whole forest ablaze mm-hmm. and it felt that way in Minneapolis during that time I know I was helping manage some of our digital platforms we all had different roles during the time but it's like Everyone was just ready to jump on one another. And so shortly after that, we kind of were examining that and started uh, what what we call our diversity and belonging initiative, which both of you have been key parts in spearheading that initiative here in our church. And it kind of started with staff and then people in the church, deacons, leaders, elders, and there's been so much. And I'm going to let you guys expand upon that. But but that's been the journey over the last year and a half coming up on two years of what we've been doing. And so setting the table for us there, would love to talk about what that's meant, what your roles have kind of been in that journey, and then hopefully help equip other churches that maybe have felt ill-equipped to handle these types of conversations wow. and share some of the the wins that we've had, maybe some of the pain points that we've had. Um, but the, the I think the beauty that can happen when you address difficult things. And so yeah, right. um, I know I just kind of gave a, a, a big... Uh, kind of intro there, but, but would love you guys to talk about what, what your roles have been in that process, what your roles are outside of that, and then dive in and, and start talking about what we've done over these last couple of years. Uh, I like when Clint's, I like when Clint starts. Yeah. And it's Clinton <laughs> and Clint. That's right. Different people. That's right. Yes. It, we are names. different people. I yeah. know um, uh, we look like twins. Right. 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 But uh, hey, last time you time. had your other twin, Keith. Yeah, on. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, th- this is this is an important conversation. Yeah, honestly, and um, I think the context that you talk about with this happening, you know, this, the River Valley Church, where we're all over in a sense. God's done an amazing work in allowing our church to have uh, connection with lots of different communities and people. But we're based here in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and as all of us are very, very aware, uh, this was the epicenter of very, very difficult times for our city and for our country. And uh, so a little bit of backstory for me personally, uh, my wife and I live in South Minneapolis. Our cross streets are 25th Avenue South between 36th and 37th Street. 
And if you remember uh, where George Floyd was killed, it was on 38th and Chicago, mm-hmm. which is probably a mile and a half from our house. Mm-hmm. And I remember on that day, the, the next day, that Tuesday afterwards, I, I remember because we had Monday off because I think that was Memorial Day, yep. right? Yep. And yep. I remember driving home from work and on 38th, which is this kind of main corridor that kind of cuts right east and west in South Minneapolis. I remember driving home and there were people marching down the street and they were they were headed toward the police station, the third precinct, which mm-hmm. is, you know, uh, if you think of where 38th in Chicago is relative to my house, it's about a, it's about a mile and a half south and west of us is where George Floyd was actually killed. And then about a mile and a half northeast of us is the third precinct. And I, and I was like, what is happening? And then uh, from our vantage point as a family, we had three young kids at the time living in South Minneapolis. I got a notice in, uh, uh, in an email from the police department. And it was like, hey, you should water down all your shrubs. You should take any garbage cans that are by your house and stick them in the garage. If you have any propane that's outside, like bring it in. And all of a sudden, my, our lives in a very real and personal way got thrown into a very traumatic season that our city was walking through. And the vantage point that I could have had in all of that was, man, this is annoying, or man, this is just so frustrating. Like, But I think what the Spirit of God was doing in my life, witnessing this and being a part of this was trying to draw my heart to understand you know, I, I, I'm an immigrant myself. I came to the United States from South Africa in 1996. And South Africa has also walked through its own really, really troubled past with race. Uh, apartheid was, was essentially, you know, legal uh, segregation that the color of your skin mattered in not a great way. And I grew up, our family's ethnically Indian. The first Indians came to South Africa in the 1860s or so. And we, we didn't have it as bad, if you will, as people that were African, Native African, because we weren't as much of a threat from a population or from a political standpoint. But people that were Native African were really, really marginalized by apartheid. And so uh, I grew up in a family setting that understood it as, as someone who was an observer in terms of racial hardship and discrimination and all these kinds of things. But I had very few experiences for my life where I knew it as me as it, when I like felt it. And so a similar thing popped when all this stuff was happening in Minneapolis. I, I tried to empathize, but I, but I also knew I didn't really get it fully because it was, a, it was tangential to my story. It wasn't my story. Mm-hmm. And it was people like Clinton and his wife, Portia, that as, I, as my family and I were interracial married, so my wife's Caucasian, we have three, now four interracial kids. And um, it was you guys as friends in our lives that helped us take what I think was a spark of empathy that the Holy Spirit placed in us and helped us walk the journey to start to understand some of these realities from a different vantage point. Mm-hmm. And that was such a formative experience for me, living in the midst of some chaos for a couple of days, that it, it kind of stirred in me a sense of like, all right, if I'm walking through this, lots of other people probably are just trying to get a handle on like, but there's rioting. That doesn't seem like a good idea. And but obviously these people are hurting. And, you know, and, and you're just trying to grapple yeah. with what is happening. And you and and your amazing wife have been so instrumental in in us in just beginning that journey toward understanding. And I think in a similar way, this whole diversity and belonging project initiative, 
you know, vision that we're on is, is coming from that same heartbeat of like, my goodness, lots of people uh, are hurting in our world today. And, and sometimes we just don't have the language to connect and understand. And so uh, I'd love for you to share things you've shared with me before with, with listeners today on, on why it's so important to be on this journey of understanding as we engage in some really hard topics at times. Yeah. I, Clint is always so, so generous with, with credit and honor, but my wife and I were just trying to do the best we could (laughs) to help navigate this season ourselves, you know, wrestling with uh, how do we, (laughs) how do we process this? And at the same time, knowing that as one of the the few people of color in our circles, um, knowing that there were going to be questions Mm. and, and for my wife and I are, our ethos is always to try to help and to try to uh, encourage and equip and to love. And um, I know that we couldn't do that if we had a chip on our shoulder. Mm-hmm. You know, I know that we couldn't do that if we um, were allowing even our own hurt um, to be processed in an unhealthy way. So we're just doing the best we can, could at the time and still to, um, uh, to try to help our friends, our circles first, you know, understand some of these dynamics because we don't understand everything even though we're african-american i you know i don't speak for everybody you know i jokingly say i'm not i, I ain't oprah i ain't obama you know <laughs> I, don't, I, I know what i know and i think that's yeah. just i think that is also the perspective of everyone in everybody's circumstances yeah. you only know what you know mm-hmm. and um you know even you know clint alluded to like the rioting and the protest that we had i think it was mlk that said that rioting is the language of the oppressed hmm. if I'm not butchering that right so I you know that wasn't to to um, justify right writing mm-hmm. you know yeah it, it was it was giving language to like these are broken and hurting people yeah and when especially as believers in Jesus Christ when we don't have the Holy Spirit being our guide and our compass and even sometimes when we do <laughs> yeah we're liable to do anything mm-hmm. we're liable to run wild and um, and process incorrectly, you know, to some degree. So, um, yeah, we we were just trying to navigate these times the the best we could, just like anybody else. Mm-hmm. But certainly, um, it's not it's not Christian cliche for us to say that like yeah. we 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 needed and had to rely heavily on the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. to give us wisdom, discernment. Um, and just how to navigate these times that we were walking through mm-hmm. with the most love and empathy as we can muster. Yeah. You know? Well, and I think what this season touched off for many in our congregation too was an expectation that we were going to speak to it. Yeah, and I think, sure. I think yeah, one a lot of the pastors th- felt that yeah. way. It was like, what, what am I going to say? And how am I going to perfectly nail it so that everyone in my congregation calms down and is friends and is perfect. And it's like, everyone realizes it's not that simple. Isn't that the case? I mean, it it was heartbreaking at times to realize that because, you know, I I remember thinking about, well, what's our social media strategy? Mm -hmm. You know, like, how do we, how do we convey uh, a sense of, of connection and empathy with everyone involved, but still say something of substance and and we'd begin to write these things and be like, 
Okay, but if I say that word, now all of a sudden this person is going to misinterpret that. But then if I don't say this strong enough, then now this person is going to be upset that I didn't go for it. And it's yeah. and 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 it 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 brings to light in a really almost disorienting way how difficult it is to try to make everyone happy. Yeah, if you will. Yeah, and then and then it then it begs the question: Is that is that what we should be doing? You is know, that, like is that what we're trying to accomplish uh, anyway? But but then we also know real people on these issues people you know to, not not to be reductionistic in how we think about things like race relations but we know people are african american we know people who are in law enforcement and and yeah, some of the yeah. ways that these these issues can start to be so divided mm -hmm. in into like yep it's either this or that and it and it's like my goodness i i feel like there could be a, a third way or a third option or another path forward and I feel like what this season of trying to respond brought us to was the realization that we have the equipping of the Holy Spirit. There's right. no doubt about that. He's helping us with words and he's helping us with, with language and he's helping us with relationships. But I think it also helped us realize that there's also maybe a, a journey of learning and development totally. that we can be yeah. on as a staff and as a congregation to better engage in these conversations. And some of that really at the end of the day be, begins in us. Mm -hmm. You know, we, maybe we're idolizing a certain issue or stance and, and we've decided to place that over and above what the Spirit asks us to do, and that's to live in unity right. among our brothers and sisters. And so right. I think the work that we started to do in diversity and belonging, for, for it to work well, it had to begin with like almost this inward search me, O oh Lord, like right. if there's anything in me that's, that, that, that's deciding to make this the thing, like mm -hmm. I, I need you in a powerful way right. to reveal that to me, because it's not the thing. It's yeah. a thing. There's no doubt about that, and it's an important thing for mm -hmm. us to talk about. But if I'm if I'm going to be so impassioned and sometimes even misguided as to go after that, and I, then I leave a trail of hurt behind me, right. mm -hmm. all I'm doing is just replicating the same thing in the name of trying to pursue something holy. Yeah. And so. D diversity and belonging was this initial opportunity for us to allow the spirit to work inwardly in us, for us to be as individuals in the right heart and the right posture in order then to move forward into a place where we can start to have conversations around reconciliation, right. around mm -hmm. unity, around understanding, around empathy, around love for one another. Oh, and, yeah. Um, yeah. and and that, that was not an easy thing no. to allow people to, to do some of that inward searching. I think one of the, the this is kind of a, a different train of thought, but related. I, I think one of the suckiest things about, uh, uh, can I say sucky? That's not, yeah, yeah, that's okay. fine. Okay, cool. Yeah, a couple pastors uh, just turned it off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, uh, I think one of the, the kids are in things, the car. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> kids, 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 moms, dads, turn your radio off. I just said radio too. I love that. I think one of the goofiest things about our culture, you know, one of the most disparaging things, I'll use that word, one of the most disparaging things about our culture is uh, how quick we are uh, to cancel everything. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? Yeah. And like, while you politicize and stuff, and while you got trigger words and all that, don't even don't don't miss this when I when I say uh, we we cancel everything um, because we do, and I think that that is problematic. I think that part of the the uh, side effect uh, of of cancel culture, also uh, in the sense that I think I'm talking about it, was that we were paralyzed to say uh, anything, especially in evangelical circles, you know, in church. 
And so I think that we were paralyzed by the fear of like, if I don't say the right thing, or if I don't say it right, then I can't say it at all. And honestly, from a lot of people that I know, their perspective was that hurts more than saying the wrong thing, period. Mm -hmm. The fact that we didn't say anything about it, that the church was so silent for so long about these issues that matter to the people that we're called to minister to, you know, um, it's, so I think that, that, that was a deep, um, that was a deep hurt to, to quite a few people, um, that we had to navigate. I feel like as well was like, well, we don't have to have all the right things to say. The fact that, you know, if this is a, maybe an explicit or crass example, but if you are a, a victim of, um, rape or molestation, something heavy mm-hmm. as that, you know, one of the things that I found that we were often doing was dismissing that hurt because I didn't understand it, mm. you know, was like, well, really, was he that aggressive? You know how insensitive yeah. that would sound if I'm like, yeah. well, well, did you cause it? Yeah. You know? And I think that inadvertently we were doing that subconsciously. Mm. We were doing that was like, well, is that really your reality? Because that's not what, what I've lived. That's not my yeah. reality. And I, and I think that, um, we that's one of the, th- the hurdles that I think that we were getting better at as a church, uh, as a as a as a culture, as a society, where we were using more love and empathy. And I just I just want that to be the precedent of all this work that we're doing, mm-hmm. love and empathy, and specifically people of of God. Um, that this is biblical in nature. We politicize things that I feel like don't need to be politicized. This is biblical empathy we're talking about. We're talking about living and loving the way Jesus loved. Mm-hmm. This isn't any other agenda outside of that. And so I just, I love the places that we've gone um, out of tragedies like what you started yeah. and what we opened this up with. It's caused catalytic movements uh, like having conversations that historically have been uncomfortable to have. Yeah. And it's not as uncomfortable because we're just at yeah. the core. We're just talking about love. Yeah, I was going to say about that. Unity. I was going to say that too. I feel even on this podcast, knowing this is going out to you know a bunch of different people, I feel so comfortable having this conversation because this is not the first conversation we've had about this. We've yeah. had, I mean, with with both of you, I've had tons right. of conversations right. that have been real. Some of them with tears, some of them right. with laughter. That's right. And it's like that to me was was what illuminated a lot of this was. We just, we weren't maybe having the conversations. Well, now, now we're having the conversation. We're recording it. Great. Like we, we've had this conversation before. Now we've had different veins of it. But when, one of the things you were talking about, Clinton, is that, that like radical empathy of Jesus and something that I think is the biggest trap of what happened in the last two years is that in to empathize with somebody was to admit you're their oppressor maybe yeah, yeah, sure. or, and, and I think, you know, and, and again, I'm, I'll, I'll throw the same thing. I'm not the, the, on behalf of all white people, yeah, yeah, you right. know, is the same way on the half of all immigrants or the half of all right. black Americans, African Americans on the, every, you know, everyone we want to say like, I'm the champion. I'm not that way. But I think for a lot of people that maybe shared the same sentiment as me, it says, I've not experienced that in this country. Um, so if I empathize, am I admitting guilt? Am I admitting, and, and part of that is maybe yes, <laughs> you sure. know, but the other part of that is like, I don't want to, I can't go down that road because yeah. then that makes me this. Yeah, and yeah. I think that as a pastor, I think it's important because I do think you need to think about that. And mm-hmm. I know that even like what you talk about, Clinton, like there were people that 
we didn't say something. And then when we did say something, there's another group of people that says, you should have just said nothing. Mm-hmm. You're like, okay, so that, that hurt them and that didn't, they didn't like that. And then, okay, we use this one word and you were alluding mm-hmm. to that Clint too, where it's like, well, that word, I guess we can't use that word for anybody yeah. because mm-hmm. nobody likes that. But I, it, it's like we stepped into the arena mm-hmm. and because of that, I think two years down the road, I think I'm, I think we're grateful for it. Totally. But I think in the moment, you take the heat. Yes. And it's, it's, we took the heat for saying the wrong thing from both sides. Yeah, sure. We took the heat for You're saying too much. You're not saying enough. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 sure. But I think two years, you know, a year and a half down the road, that's why I want to have this conversation now versus maybe in the heat of the moment when we have those conversations together. Mm -hmm. It's, man, that, that was hard. And I for sure said wrong things. And Mm -hmm. I for sure, you know, shouldn't have done that. And we maybe shouldn't have preached that message or we maybe shouldn't have done that sermon series or we maybe should have, that was a win for yeah. sure. But I think in this process, what I've seen is like, I think we're glad that we did it. Totally. I think we're glad we did something. I think we're glad that we can now have this conversation to say, we may not agree on everything, yep, right. but when it becomes a us versus you, which is what the enemy wants us to do, and it right. becomes, I mean, it's so quickly, we talked about it, it was political and it, I mean, it was an election year. There's a lot of reasons yeah, yeah, why yeah. it became that way, but it was like, Immediately in the church, like, well, what side are you on? And we're like, I think Jesus. Right. Like, <laughs> right. Like, and I, I remember my dad kept saying that throughout. As long as Jesus is the message, like, I'm yeah, for it. Like, yeah. if it, there's, there's, Jesus preached justice. He preached empathy. He preached this. He Love, preached that. That's right. But like, Jesus got to be the focus of that. And when we start deterring towards organizations or we start deterring towards political speech, we start deterring towards this, that's where it starts to get difficult. Mm-hmm. But we're human too. That's right. You know, and so I'd love for us to dive in a little bit more. I know we talked about, we're going to talk about our, our initiative and mm-hmm. our blogging, but I think that was such an important start to even the yeah, way totally. we felt in this uh, time of like, man, this is, this was not easy you mm-hmm. know, to say that like this last year and a half, these last few years have not been easy, but even in spite of that difficulty, we've been moving forward Yeah, yeah and we've said, we're going to move forward together, arm in arm, disagreements in hand, even to say, Sometimes you leave a conversation going, I don't know, but I'm glad I understand you better. Yeah, totally. I think that part of our part of our issue as a as a culture, as a society, is is how terrible we've gotten in civil discourse. Like to think that we can't um, disagree on something and not be in covenant relationship. Yeah, I you know like I I think we perverted unity for uniformity. Sure, it, that unity isn't we have to agree on everything. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. we're moving in the same direction. We, we could have different roads. Yeah. We have different ways about the same mission, but we got the same mission, mm-hmm. you know, and for us is to love Jesus is to love people. And so, yeah, I, I think, <laughs> I think we had to break off the conditions for us. It's not easy to be a pioneer, but I, I want to call it that. I don't yeah. think it's arrogant or cocky to call it that, uh, that we were trying to pioneer, at least in our region of like, let's talk about these. And I'm sure we're not the first, but let's talk about these, these issues that, are important to the people that we are called to minister to. Yeah. It's bottom line. If it matters to the people that we're called to minister to, then it should matter to us to some degree. Yeah. And again, we'll always have scripture as our compass. We we won't all we won't we won't ever make fifty two weeks a year about the problems and mm-hmm. about the issues that we face. We want our fifty two weeks a year to be about the solution. We believe it's the name of Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. But but we have to have safe places for our people to have discussions about the things that matter to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, fill in the blank. You know, it's difficult to talk about 
sexual purity. Yeah. But we talk about it, don't yep. we? And yep. we don't always get it right. Mm-hmm. It's difficult to talk about money, but we talk about that all the time, don't yeah. we? And so it, it's, I, just, I love where we've gone and how we've leaned into it, including the bumps and the bruises and the mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, I love it. Yeah, I think, you know, the experience of George Floyd for a church in Minneapolis, it, it made it impossible not to engage with right. them. Mm-hmm. And I think as we began to engage, we realized, okay, there, there there's some things that we can do to help close the gap in our ability to be able to speak to it well. I think one of the things that we had to do in that work is look inward and ask, okay, are there any are there any biases or strongholds that are just kind of blocking my ability to just be as engaged and as empathetic as I can be right. while maintaining the convictions I have? And then I think the other thing that it helped shed a light to is that these kinds of scenarios and situations are really difficult to do in isolation, but but they start to become possible in community. That's it. And I think the what the Holy Spirit was doing in in our lead pastor and in our church was starting to help convene some pretty powerful friendships and relationships right. mm-hmm. that allowed us to start to uh, gain a fuller picture of all the things that that really do transpire when these complex scenarios just pop up right. in a society and in an organization. And so we, we have a great relationship with the church in North Minneapolis, which, you know, if you, if, if you know much about the Minneapolis area, nor, North is probably one of the more under-resourced parts of our community. And, and uh, it also is one that has a disproportionate number of people of color, particularly mm-hmm. African-American. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so uh, by building a relationship with Bishop Howell, who leads a church in that area, him and Pastor Rob, I think we're able to model for the church, that being River Valley, but also the church in our community, but also for the community that when two leaders that know, that they know that they know that the, the, the mission is to win people to Jesus and have people live spirit-empowered lives, when two leaders can come together with that kind of unity, knowing the differences that they may have in terms of their life experience mm-hmm. or their, their perspective, whatever it can be, and they can model in a very authentic way what it looks like to just bring healing and hope. Right. Mm-hmm. That was catalytic for our congregation on both right. in both places to right. just get a sense of like, okay, when we can build real relationships, that can help us cut through a lot of the mess and a lot of the difficulty. It's not, it's not easy. Right. It's not going to make it easier, but it allows you to cut through it in a way yeah. like where you can see the other side. And to have hope on the other side of that, to have healing on the other side of that, to have reconci- reconciliation, yeah, to yeah. have understanding. And so w- when I think about the progression we've been on, it was this acknowledgement that we can we can do better. There was this inward searching, like, all right, what is anything holding me back? There was the catalyst of relationship to get us to a place where we started to understand more. And then through that whole process, you realize we're actually better together. Mm-hmm. And diversity and belonging kind of grew out of this, like, okay, we had this, we had this as such a time as this experience trying to navigate our city through the trauma of George Floyd and the riots and the trial and all these things. And we, and I think what dawned on me, and I'm sure it dawned on a lot of other people is like, you know, one of the reasons we were able to navigate that so well is because the tables that were convened to help us work through it wasn't just, oh, those are all the suburban churches trying to yeah, figure it out. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. wasn't just, oh, those are all the millennials trying to figure yeah, it out. Yeah, right. It wasn't just, oh, those are all the African-Americans trying to figure right. it out. It was 
all of us. Yeah. And, I think, I, and it's been, now it's given us this conviction to say, okay, if it worked then, right. my goodness, let's keep that train rolling. And I think that, uh, piggybacking off of Clint, I think that our lead pastor, you know who he is, right? Saint Brown, <laughs> uh, he, I think he got over the hurdle of, what if I say the wrong thing? Uh, you know, um, what if this makes me feel guilty? Because we got culture who, who are doing the white guilt and white shame thing. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the first thing I say as a knee-jerk reaction to my insecurity when I hear about racial reconciliation, whatever, is like, well, I'm not a racist. I don't, dude, I didn't ask you all that. Nobody's, mm-hmm. nobody's making sure. that assumption. But there was an ugly past, and we made some mistakes. And just like anything, like yeah. any dynamic, the only way you're not doomed to repeat the past is we talk about it and we learn and we educate ourselves and bring awareness to it so that we don't repeat the past. I feel like every other country, you know, uh, countries talk about um, the Holocaust. They equip and inform their kids about the Holocaust sure. so they don't repeat that. Yeah. They talk about apartheid because so that they can e- be equipped and know about it mm-hmm. and so they don't repeat it. Yeah. But America's the only <laughs> one of the few people who's like, <laughs> don't, let's not talk about it because if we don't talk about it, maybe it'll go away. Watch. I think, too, what we've seen even in this journey is a lot of people brought to us a fear of, like, what is being talked about. Because you mentioned, like, um, well, that's not me. Like, yeah. And you're like, I'm not saying that's you. Yeah. But there are people out there that are saying that. That, that and is I, true. And I think, Certainly. I think that's Certainly. what we saw from our church. If you had a lot, there was a lot of people, um, you know, particularly white people that would say, at my work, it's not good. Right. It is it is unhealthy. It is toxic. Totally. It has become a a battle that is uncomfortable as a believer and and you know even people who've helped us throughout this process have said I've worked I've done this in secular environments mm-hmm. and it's not and good. it's not going well. And people who yeah. are Christian are generally being marginalized and pushed aside to say, "Whoa, you you're the wrong." So like I agree. I mean, I know you and I know your heart and I know that, but like what we've seen is people kind of coming back at that like, "Wait a minute, sure. Clinton, like yeah, I know you're not, but there are people that are doing that. And so I think that was that balance totally. that we've had to, as a church, to say, okay, time out. What context are you coming at it from? Sure. Has your workplace done a diversity, equity, and belonging initiative that is really toxic and unhealthy totally. and has made you feel ostracized and pushed out and this? Or are you coming from it where you came from a workplace that is one of the shiny examples or, totally. you, know, you know, so that's, that, that's where like, again, I, I agree a hundred percent, but I think we're, you have to like dive deeper and to say like, okay, who, what context are you coming from? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know? And then and there's a supernatural aspect to this totally. too. You have to, you have to trust yeah. the leading of the Holy Spirit exactly. and the leadership that God has placed yeah. here. And I trusted the spirit of God yeah. and my leadership to navigate these things. Totally. Also, I thought that I think the last thing I was going to say about Pastor Rob in particular um, was that he got the concept that I often like to use, which is proximity breeds empathy. Mm-hmm. Yep. And and he plays, Clint just talked about it, the relationships that he forged. Mm-hmm. I think that helped him have more empathy Absolutely. for the situations because he just placed himself in proximity. Yeah. I strongly believe in that. Well, and I, and I think too, like what I want people to know, and, and you know, obviously he's not in the room, so we can talk about the really this sacrifice that he made the time sacrifice Mm. that we all observed yep but i mean over the last year and a half like the amount of prayer meetings that many on zoom due to covid but like prayer meetings in person on zoom meeting with people there were there were zoom calls that ended not good Mm -hmm. that were not positive (laughs) that were 
that we're still fighting and like, yep. that's not how we should handle things or that's not the words with, with inner city pastors, with black, white, you know, all different uh, denominations, all different ethnic groups, all different, uh, you know, even theological backgrounds. Oh, yeah. We had the, the Archbishop of the Catholic Church yeah, right. with the the Pentecostal kind of leadership in, in the historical black church. Yep. You have, you know, Methodist, um, Episcopal, Lutheran. Lutheran. Yeah, I mean, we, we had some people who'd say, who have their pronouns on their Zoom thing, other people that would maybe be more very traditional sexual ethic. Yep. And it's like... All of us are on a Zoom call right now, for sure, and, and we're trying beautiful. to pray for that. And it was, but it, it was, was amazing. Yeah, and it was yeah. like, I think what came to that about that, and then when many of us met in person for the first time, you know, embracing each other, hugging, and it's like we have so many differences, but we again we got into the arena together, mm. and that's just pastors. I mean, the, yeah. we're talking about ministers of the yeah, gospel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It took a long time, and the prayer meetings and the phone calls. And all of these things that we came together, you know, coinciding with what we're trying to do with our own team. Right. It was like, it, it, again, it, my dad and I have talked about this, but it was worth every bit of it. But it was the hardest thing that we've ever done. Wow. And he said that. He's like, it was the hardest thing I've ever done. Like in ministry to bring people together and to say, we don't want the rise to happen again. We don't want... Uh, people to feel ostracized. We don't want people to feel the effects of discrimination. You know, we want our churches to be more, look more like this Zoom call right. and less like homogenous, you know, groups. And right, right. You know, in, for context in Minnesota, it's like 87% white and and it's not very integrated. Yeah. You know, in areas, sure. as you talked about, North Minneapolis, South Minneapolis, we have large populations of immigrant populations, mm-hmm. but they're not very integrated. It's starting to change, which yep. is yeah, encouraging, yeah, yeah. but it's, yeah. it's it, why it happened here. I think most people who live here are like, yeah, like it, it's not as surprising as sure. maybe some other people thought Minnesota, that's crazy, mm-hmm. you know, but to see the church of God come together yep. right. and to do that, but it, it took really heavy lifting. And so again, I, I hope that pastors who are listening uh, you know, maybe they looked this up in the midst of a tragedy. As of right now, you know, there hasn't been something major in the news, although there's stuff all the time mm-hmm. that's that's like mm-hmm. right now mm-hmm. is is causing uproar. Um, but it's to me the journey is a is about commitment and it's about working through all those difficult conversations. Cause I could have seen any one of those Zoom calls or any one of those moments on our staff and um, would love to get into that a little bit. I know we're a little bit longer than our normal episodes and you guys may have meetings to get to, but I think it's important um, is like sticking with it yeah. is a, is a beautiful display of, of what's in your heart. You know, it's like, yeah, can we check the box until things calm down? Yeah. Okay. We're good. No, we committed. We said, we're going to pray pre-trial. We're mm-hmm. going to pray during the trial and we're going to pray post-trial. And yep. we did. Yep. And we prayed together and the trial took a long time. So mm-hmm. it was like a year long journey of doing that, being together in those moments. But we'd love to move in with the last time we have left, a little bit of what we did as a team. Because I know people, we, we said, this yep. is some of the stuff we did as a team. But, but Clint, can you kind of overview high level some of the steps we took as a, as a church staff as a team, and maybe for for some churches, that's what they would maybe want to do with their deacons or their key leaders. Other people, they have staffs large enough where they feel like it's a good place to start. But could you kind of walk us through a little bit of those journeys that we have have been on and are still on right now? For sure. Yeah. Again, I, this process that we went through gave us this conviction that we are better together. Mm-hmm. 
And that, you know, you've seen it everywhere. You think of Harvard Business Review articles, or if you just Google why diversity matters, you know, all, all of these corporate articles will pop up and it's like, no, diverse teams win, they overperform. You know, mm-hmm. you, you see and hear all this language. And we saw a very tangible, powerful example of that at play. It was ministers for sure, but like Logan mentioned, the degree of diversity represented in that ministry was was amazing that mm-hmm. the Lord gathered all that together. And so it brought us to a place uh, from, from an HR operational church leadership standpoint where we wondered, okay, how does our church staff and our congregation start to reflect what really is the picture of the future? You know, mm-hmm. John in Revelation 5 and 7, he's like, you know, there's a lot of diversity in heaven, every tribe, language, yeah, people, right, nation. Right. And I've kind of grabbed this mantra of like, well, if that's the future that's coming, my goodness, we better get ready now. You know, we can't be left flat footed being like, yeah, oh, yeah. I don't know, it's going to be like that. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> we have a vision of where it's headed. And yeah. so we started our staff on a journey to, to realize a couple things. First one was if that's the future that's coming and we can start to embody it now, there's probably a degree of skill set mm-hmm. and competency to be able to work well with people who are different. Uh, some people call it intercultural agility. You know, so yeah. some people would call it intercultural competence. But just this idea that, regardless of how many different groups of people may be in a setting or in an audience or in a small group, you're able, in a way, to facilitate discussion, dialogue, be able to lead, inspire in ways that don't alienate certain right. people at right. the expense of others, but are able to create this environment where every person is with you and mm-hmm. they're moving forward. So we were like, all right, we got to identify that as a key competence that we need to build into our team. And then the second thing that it kind of helped us realize is that if these, if diverse teams really are better, which I, I do believe they are, then how do we start to begin a journey to diversify our staff and our leadership in a way that doesn't become affirmative action tokenism. Mm-hmm. And it's not just, yep, we, we need that. We, look, I look at my list here, we're missing yeah. person X. Going quotas. Yeah, sure. and uh, that's a five foot eight, 190 pound redheaded person from you know this state. And it's mm-hmm. like, all right, go find him. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. like, no, that's not what we're trying to do. We're, we're trying to have the Lord bring into the fold of River Valley people that represent the diversity that's already here mm-hmm. and then allow them pathways to develop and grow and so we've developed development programs around this. We've developed new ways to think about how we do hiring, mm-hmm. how we do interviews. We've done a new, we're introducing a new behavioral-based interview question so that we've identified all these competencies like intercultural competence or build empathy or, you know, and can we start to see as we bring new people onto the team, do they have some demonstrated kind of familiarity or wins in some of these areas so that we know they're starting to fit the culture of who we want to become and that's a church that can reach everybody. Mm-hmm. So, and some of reaching everybody is the sense that our staff is also representing everybody. Mm-hmm. And so, we we've been on this journey now over probably eighteen months, 18, I would say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, trying to build all the backend infrastructure of that. What's yeah. the training? What's the competencies? What's the infrastructure? What's the um, and then what are the pathways to get people there? And then and then it's a matter of prayer. It's really asking right. the Lord to bring people into the fold, and it's us expanding the networks that we're a part of. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to build some really piece. good, really yeah, good yeah, relationships. Yeah. yeah, it's it's been, I, I would say it's been felt. It's been felt in our team. And I don't say that in a, in a negative way, like, oh, it's been felt that we've had to do all these things. Sure. It's been felt in a positive way. Even things that are so simple of like, and this is pretty common in the church, but 
like rather than posting a, a job posting, you know, we would just give it to somebody right. that leadership talked about kind of behind the scenes that yep. that's what we should, we should do. And, and there's times where that's still necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've done more of, Hey, let's post this so yep. that, and tell people in our church, even that mm-hmm. this is open and who knows, maybe we're going to get more applicants than we would have expected from different walks of life, from different, you know, educational backgrounds, mm-hmm. different ethnic groups. And we've started to see that. Oh, and, yeah. oh wow. Like, I would have never thought they would have applied for that job, but in the interview process, we realized they're actually for sure the most qualified candidate or even, oh, that wasn't the right job for you, but now we know that you're looking for it and it started to open up those doors. So I think you can still hear from the Holy Spirit in your your hiring processes while giving the opportunities for other people to jump, jump in. If there's somebody and you know, the Lord spoke to me 100%, they're the person well then, okay, it's not really fair to anyone else to For interview sure. them. It, it, yeah, you want the process to have integrity. Still. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But yep. I think in our in our processes, we're seeing that maybe it, maybe it wasn't as clear as that. There's someone who's the leading candidate, and let them be the leading mm-hmm. candidate. That's just fine. Yep. But who knows in the process that somebody may, you know, in in the interview process or in as you're looking at your deacons, you say, well, the deacons are my friends. Yeah. Well, okay. M- maybe your friends are, are great deacons, or maybe you just have friends that are the deacons. For sure. You know, maybe there's other people in the church that have different insights that could could bring. And uh, Clint, I'd love for you to to uh, just talk a little bit about some of the 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 survey and things that we've done, mm-hmm. even on our team that have, that have highlighted how we approach some of these things. Because you yeah. you talked no, about the end result, which is sure. these processes. But how, I mean, how we got there was through a number of different things and how yeah, we've, we brought I, out in the I team. think one of the principles that we tried to embody through this whole process was that there, there are things we don't know. Yeah. As leaders, as, as people that are trying our best to listen to the voice of the Spirit and lead a church forward, uh, the, the whole George Floyd episode highlighted, my goodness, there's, there's some things that I don't know. And I actually didn't know that I didn't know that. Yeah. You know? And so what we wanted to do is, is really be authentic about saying, okay, our team has great perspective and ideas and they have experiences of their own. And so we began this process by opening the door and we sent us uh, an anonymous survey out to every staff member. And it was done in partnership with a great, great uh, friend of our church. She, she has a uh, consulting firm that works a lot in some of these topics, which yeah. is a great friend to our church, a great friend to Clinton and I. So we've yeah, had yeah. a lot of trust mm-hmm. with her. Right. And uh, she helped us craft and put together this survey. It wasn't super long, but it really was trying to tap into how are people understanding their experience here and what ideas do they have for the future? And uh, we, we eventually called some of the projects and the initiatives that were doing diversity and belonging. And the reason for that is because I think what the survey highlighted for us is people were compelled by vision. They loved where this church was going. They're so glad to be here. But there, but there were shades at times in people's responses, especially when you aggregated it together, where it felt like certain people didn't really knew if they really belonged. Mm-hmm. Like they loved the vision, they loved Jesus, they loved River Valley, but at times they just wondered like, but I wonder if I'm like maybe too different to be here. Sure. Or I wonder if like I'm really noticed or, you know, and, and it started to highlight for us, like the language we put to it was, oh, they don't know if they belong yet. Mm-hmm. And and it, it kind of helped us see, okay, we can start to build all these really amazing programs to like diversify our team and better teams win. Yo, go, go, go. And then it dawned on us like, but if, we, but if we're not also counterbalancing that with this sense that this is community and 
we and we're all in this together. And no matter what you bring to the table, we we want to celebrate and acknowledge it. And if we can't create a culture of belonging with diversity, oh no! Like yeah, we 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 may we may not be building this to last, if you will. So and another sobering thought was like, if that's just staff, then what are our people? Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. 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 And and, and exp- we expanded a, a little bit on that, including some people in our church. And I think, yeah, yeah. I think the the thing that struck me the most was the byproduct, the the healthy byproduct that came out of difficult conversations mm-hmm. and difficult survey responses yep. led to way more than diversity and belonging. I think in the in the uh, specific sense of what people think of mm. is it's like, okay, diversity and belonging means we need to have more people of color to feel good, which is, which is true. Sure. Sure. And I think, but I think the beauty in the byproduct of that is that there are, it was negative, but we found there were people that maybe wouldn't even have identified that way. They didn't feel they were, lo- they mm. belonged. They said, my, my, uh, my style of leadership, right? I'm maybe not as exciting as Pastor Rob is or Pastor Kirk is yeah, or yeah. you know other people. Do I belong here? Or people would say, "Hey, as as our, our gender conversation, yeah, yeah, you know, right. male totally. and female. Hey, in ministry, do I belong here?" Mm-hmm. Totally. And, and and I think again, it's very hard. It was it was really hard to have those conversations. Really hard to re- read the survey responses mm-hmm. and go, "These are our people. Right. These are people that yeah. we love that we right. want to lead." Right. But to say, look what happened when you had the difficult conversation, and that's yep. kind of what I was talking about at the beginning. It was, it still is very hard. It's we're not done. We're no. in the process of it. But the beauty of what's come out of it to say, we had the difficult conversation, we had the difficult survey, we had the difficult meetings, we sought counsel, we mm-hmm. sought help. We're willing to have difficult conversations. We're willing to admit we're wrong in areas. Yeah. We're willing to admit that we haven't been perfect at it, mm-hmm. acknowledge our realities, but to say we can move forward and be better. And and that's what yeah. I think is is the what I feel in our our team is nobody feels like, "All right, we did it. Yeah. We got it perfect." Yeah, but yeah, it's, totally. we're grateful that we're willing to move into the arena, For sure. having the right. conversation that's difficult, and then the byproducts that come out of it is is the fruitfulness of of God. That's cool. Fruit, uh, unity is one. That's yeah. that's one of the biggest ones. And I, you just don't have healing without communication and accountability. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, just, you just you just don't have it. Yeah. Well, again, we're we're in in process. And so if anyone's listening and they're like, "All right, can you send me the plan on how everything worked out?" We don't we don't have that fully, but <laughs> we got it all figured yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, but but I would say we do have some yes, some resources we have that we can have. So for sure. so if if you want to email network at River Valley and say, "Hey, are there could could you give me some examples or could you could you forward me on to, you know, some of these people you've worked with, or, um, was there a, a specific thing around this? I'm sure everyone's at different points yep. in their, uh, journey uh, on this, but, but it's been a beautiful thing and it's, it's been messy. It's been hard. I, I don't, again, I say that I don't want to under undersell that it is difficult. Like mm-hmm. if you're, if you're looking for it to be easy, easy. don't do it. Yeah, don't, don't do an initiative if yep. you just want it to be easy. Um, but if you want it to be fruitful, and you want it to be uh, something that has longevity of of unity in your organization. I think it is worth it. Wow. Logan, um, tell them don't underestimate the power of intercession too. Yeah, yeah. Like Amen. Education was yeah. a part. Like yep. Education, awareness, all of that was a part of the journey. 
But intercession yep. is people of God, man. We're yeah, still you, praying. And you've been leading you've been leading <laughs> we're prayer groups and we're on. doing it and, and and throughout the whole I mean, that's been a theme throughout our entire thing is intercession with pastors, intercession with lay leaders. Yeah. We had people that were even when we we're in meetings praying for us. Right. And so it, I mean, it, we didn't talk too much about it, but I'm glad you mentioned it because that was such a key part of of that journey was that's this it. intercession. And that's so it, man. um it I feel like we may have to have a follow-up conversation <laughs> about this, um, but this has been a great conversation. We signed on for a sequel? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> season three. Season three. Yeah. I'll pay you the same amount that we paid you for this episode, um, but but it's been a gift. It's been a joy, and I hope people reach out and ask questions. Obviously, through the network, we can forward them on to the right places, but thank you guys for being vulnerable and for sharing uh, what God's been doing, and thank you for for implementing this in our church and helping us move forward. It's it's truly been a gift. So It's fun to do life and ministry with both of you. I love you both. This is fun. This is incredible. It's an honor to be here. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.